Hello and welcome to Two Broads and a Bottle of Wine. I'm Kelly. And I'm Leslie. Kelly and I have been friends for well over a decade, and it all started when we met in the belly dance community. We've traveled together, danced together, and helped each other through the highs and lows of life. In this season, we're unpacking our experiences around the community in which we met. So sit back, pour yourself a glass, and join in the journey. Hey, before we get started, we wanted to note a few things. We are publicly unpacking to help others do the same, see the dirty laundry, and see the process. We are here to uplift women and all people. We are not here to belittle or degrade how someone, specifically another woman, behaved or the choices they have made in the past. Understand we are all at different places of unpacking. So come where you are. We ask you to take the discussion as a casual convo over drinks with a friend. You may not like all you hear and you may become uncomfortable. Just take care of yourself. And if it becomes too much, just stop the podcast and walk away. We're looking to start the conversations, not the fights. And finally, we use some adult language in this podcast. So you might want to use headphones. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six. This is going to be our final episode of this season. I'm Kelly. And I'm Leslie. And today we are unpacking the big bag. And what do you want to call it? (laughs) White supremacy, dominant culture, all those kinds of pieces. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is probably going to be our most sensitive and most serious episode. I know last week we started talking about and identifying privilege and intersectionality, representation versus tokenism, those kinds of things. But today we are climbing down further in the depths. So I think we need to start out by saying we're two <laughs> white ladies. Yeah. Exactly. And we struggled, we'll admit, right? We struggled on how we wanted to do this. Did we want to just do us? Did we want to have a guest artist? Did we want to, like, how do we want to do this? But I think the whole intent behind this podcast from the beginning has been for the two of us to expose conversations we're having as we unpack, right? Mm -hmm. And model, using Kelly's word, model the behavior that to help others that might be stuck because it's hard. How do you know, how do you find that one person you could talk to and how do you then practice on it to get it mm-hmm. out there? Right. So when mm-hmm. you go for the next, I know it's after Thanksgiving and stuff for everybody right now, because this is after Thanksgiving weekend, we're recording in the U S but how do you do this behavior when you're with family or coworkers and stuff or, you know, friends, anyone. Friends. Yep. And I, I think we should also say, you know, because we're two white ladies talking about this, we're talking to other white people Mm -hmm. (laughs) because white people need to be having these conversations with other white people. We don't need to put any labor on BIPOC or queer folks. This is why we left it to the two of us right now. That's That was our ultimate decision is like, we don't want to put the labor out there. We're going to. Yeah. We we need to do this ourselves. And this is about us. You and I, well, you and I have been having conversations for, as we've been saying this entire time, years. Mm-hmm. But you and I have been to, uh, how do I say that? You and I together have been like sharing resources with each other, yes. having conversations with each yes. other. For over a year, right? I think this really, you and I both started unpacking this for a oh. while, actually. maybe even longer than that. But yeah. yeah, I would I would I would say that it's probably been the last couple of years. Yeah, you're right. Probably. Um, I mean, especially like in regards to 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 privilege and white supremacy and things like that. You and I have been I would say like the last couple of years, you and I have been having yeah. those conversations. Yeah. And, okay. you know, this whole thing came about where. You know, we. <laughs> You know, we really started looking at everything and was, you know, it was like, what if we put these conversations out there where people could hear them? Right. Because I know people are, I mean, the trick is some of the things we're going to say, we're trying, our intent is not to do harm, but who knows if it hurts, right? Yeah. The trick is, is we are also, and you know, I've been talking about this as we've been listening to the other podcasts after the fact, we got to live in not being perfect. 
Like we talked about mm-hmm. perfectionism. And so some of the things we say when we hear, we go, ooh, but it's okay because it's part of the dirty conversation. And even what we said like a month ago when we started recording, we listen now and we laugh about it because we're in a different place even now. Yeah. Because we're ready to have the deeper conversation. So I think, yeah. so we're kind of not putting the blanket, like be ready. It's just, I think we've had to, we have to embrace the fact we have to be un- uncomfortable not perfect. Yeah. And, and then take feedback and listen to it. Right. That's yeah. what we've got to do. So we're talking right now in actually in turn to be able to listen. Right. At the same time, like we're yeah. talking to other white people, but then listening to the other voices. Yeah. So. I think it's funny. You talked about going back and listening to the other episodes and, you know, me furiously texting you as I've been, yeah. you know, I've been furiously yeah. texting you for, for years now about anything really, <laughs> but just the whole like, Oh my God, I centered myself. Oh my God. I yeah. use gender bias exactly. language. Exactly. <laughs> well, and I think, and you're going to, I mean, we already talked about this. I know you're going to say it. Like the only thing we can do is tell our, our perspective of it. I can't, t- you can't tell somebody else's story. So when yes. you hear so we never are trying to center. We're trying to actually be just exposing and vulnerable of our stories so that other people can kind of unpack. I mean, to unpack, you can only unpack your stuff. So you kind of have to talk about it and then kind of uncenter it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, and I think when people are giving you a pathway, yeah, it yeah. it gets that it gets that much easier. I mean, I kind of liken it to, and I I know I've used this metaphor before. But it's like addiction, like you have the intervention with the person and it's like, here's the problem. And and then usually what happens is they end up going to rehab or getting some type of help. You know, it's that type of thing where it's like you can't just say, well, you have an addiction and this is how you hurt me. Like, you know, there needs to be a pathway forward, if that makes sense. I don't don't know if this is a bad analogy to use or not, but. But embrace yeah, and embrace it. It might be the wrong analogy. Yeah. I don't know. And I know a lot of folks, particularly back in May, got felt they needed to do more and didn't know what to do. And yeah. so it was so we're trying to do this balance between performative. This is not meant to be performative. This is meant to be um encouraging and modeling and hoping that it'll help you figure out where you need, you know, giving you resources to look at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then finding that person you can work with, that's going to be the tricky part too. You might want to start off easy. Like you and I talking to each other was easy because we both have similar beliefs, right? Yeah. On where we sat with things and we had similar experiences. Well, and you and I are just comfortable telling each other stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So we're practicing publicly with people we're comfortable with. Now it's to, (laughs) next would be you and I doing it with people we're maybe not so comfortable with. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's one of those, like, that's why we're trying to show the safe conversation mm-hmm. practices is also practice for you to be able to do it with the harder folks that are going to be on your radar. Yeah. Well, and oh. uh, this, that reminds me of uh, one of the podcasts that I was listening to. Uh, it's called uh, Decolonized Social Work. Yep. And it's a white man and a white woman. And they're like, the reason we do this podcast is because white people need to be as and I believe they put it as as learning out loud. Yes, like we need to learn out loud. And we need to be able to hear like, hey, you made a mistake right there and go, oh, thank you for that correction. Well, that's that's kind of why if you go back and look at the episode, when we picked the lineup of how we were going to do this, we kind of started easier and worked our way. But we also worked through the things we needed to embrace to have this conversation, right? Yep. Like, so we talked about perfectionism. We talked about, um, I mean, just being okay with being wrong. It's like, it's, it's huge. And then being comfortable with yourself enough, I think, right. When you get into, we talked about radical self-care and all this kind of stuff, yeah. like you need that so you can have these conversations. So I think that's the other thing to think about is hopefully as people have been listening, they're kind of ramping themselves up Yeah. to be yeah. able to be prepared for it mentally and physically. Yeah. Cause it's stuffy. So So, that's our big caveat for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) More serious. (laughs) All right. So you're ready to get into definitions and just meaty conversation. Yeah. 
And we're doing these definitions, right? I mean, we've been doing them all along, but I think particularly for this one is so we're all on the same page for what the words mean. Yes. I think we, and I'm just going to caveat, these definitions may not be perfect, right? Because I think these are really kind of difficult things to define too. And I think that's why people struggle. Yeah. It's not super black and white. I hate to use that phrase, but it's not binary. It's not, yeah, it's not binary. It's everything's on a spectrum. Yeah, exactly. So these definitions are a little funky. All right. What do we got first? Well, the overarching is white supremacy. (laughs) A.K.A. (laughs) Dominant culture. A.K.A. Settler culture. A.K.A. Colonizer culture. Yep. All right. What does it mean? The definition I have is the belief, theory, or doctrine that white people are inherently superior to people from all other racial and ethnic groups and are therefore rightfully the dominant group in any society. Yeah, so it covers settler because I know in Canada we call it settler culture. I hear that a lot when I took my Indigenous Mm -hmm. Canada class. We called it settler culture. Um, So... And colonizer culture are the folks that went out and colonized. So that makes sense. They tended to be of European descent. So. Yep. All right. Next up is culture appropriation versus, appre- versus appreciation. And this one's really a tough one mm-hmm. because I always have this funny thing. Well, that's cultural appropriation. And I get the eyeball rolls from people because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a really, people just don't get it. It's really, it's a super tough one. So I'm going to read directly from the dictionary what it is. Okay. And then I talk through the differences. So the dictionary definition of cultural appropriation is the unacknowledged or inappropriate adoption of the customs, practices, ideas, etc., of one people or society by members of another and typically more dominant people or society. So <laughs> that's a lot of things. Um so I think the key in that too is they talk about unacknowledged, right? Yep. It's just kind of like I'm taking it. Yeah. So then it gets into what's appreciation versus appropriation. And this gets a little funky. So appreciation is when someone seeks to understand and learn about another culture in an effort mm-hmm. to broaden their perspective and connection with other cultures, with other cross cultures. While appropriating, right, is just taking it, one aspect of it. That's not your own and using it for your own personal interest. That's kind of gets where it starts to yeah. get is, are you making money off of, I don't know, something you've, you've taken from another culture. And so it's funny. Um, there is someone in the yoga community who does a lot of these lectures on this particularly. And like the key thing, she is, she is actually of Indian descent and mm-hmm. her big thing. And I, this is kind of how I try to remember the difference is if I'm going to appropriate, right. Or if I feel like I'm about to appropriate, can I be more creative? Right. So the big thing in yoga is like, namaste. Do you say that at the end of class? And her challenge is, is be creative. Like why, why are you taking that? If it doesn't make sense to you or mean anything to you, and it may not even actually be the right thing for anyways. So, so I always try to take culture appropriation and try to be, you know, questioning it, but also why am I doing it? Can't I be creative? Why am Mm -hmm. I so lazy? Is basically, I'm lazy. That's a cool image. I'm going to take it, you know, without thinking through or acknowledging where it came from, but also being more creative in my own mind. So, yeah. So instead of saying namaste, you could say, thank you for being here with me today. Exactly. Or you could even just say, you, you could even connect with like, if you've got, you can believe in, you know, energy work of any kind. And I know we're going to talk about that later too, but I mean, it's just however you want. Yeah. You could just be like, you know, thank you for taking time for yourself, whatever. Yeah. But it's being creative with it. So yeah. anyways, that's cultural appropriation and appreciation. Hopefully that helps. It's just a weird, a weird one that I think it takes a bit of time to sit with. Yeah. So, And I have a definition for decolonization. Cool. And there's a reason that I'm there's a reason that I'm bringing up decolonization. And one of the 
again, one of the podcasts I listened to is, uh, was called uh, Decolonized Social Work. And they talked about the work of Eve Tuck and Kay Wayne Yang. And they have a paper called Decolonization is Not a Metaphor. It is a 40-page paper. It is online. It is free. I will see if I can show note it. But if I can't, please go read this. Take take the time to read the 40 pages. Yeah. But the reason that I'm bringing this up is because we talk about decolonizing things. You know, decolonized yoga, decolonized schools, decolonize everything. Yeah. And when I listen to this podcast and they said decolonization is not a metaphor, I was like, oh, wow. So I, I'm going to read a very long quote from the abstract of this. Cool. And it says, decolonization brings about the repatriation of indigenous land and life. It is not a metaphor for other things we want to do to improve our societies and schools. The easy adoption of decolonizing discourse by educational advocacy and scholarship, evidenced by the increasing number of calls to decolonize our schools or use decolonizing methods or decolonize student thinking, turns decolonization into a metaphor. As important as their goals may be, social justice critical methodologies or approaches that decenter settler perspectives have objectives that may be incommensurable with decolonization. <laughs> this is a college paper. <laughs> and even though I'm college educated, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes I have a problem reading. Anyway, because settler colonialism is built upon an entangled, an entangled triad structure of settler native slave, the decolonial desires of white, non-white, immigrant, post-colonial, and oppressed people can similarly be entangled in the resettlement, reoccupation, and re-inhabitation that actually furthers settler colonialism. The metaphorization of decolonization makes possible a set of evasions or settler moves to innocence that problematically attempt to reconcile settler guilt and complicity and Mm -hmm. rescue settler futurity futurity and they go in this paper they go into like five ways we try to make ourselves innocent and that settler nativism uh fantasizing adoption colonial equivocation uh conscientization versus astricking yeah. And reoccupation and urban homesteading. So when we talk about decolonize, we're talking about the returning of land and returning, uh, returning of an indigenous land and returning of indigenous life. Yeah. So I'm re I'm reading this. <laughs> right. So one, people are mindful of it because this was something where I was just like, ooh, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah, and I don't know. I just I think it's important to note if that makes sense. Yeah, no. So it's good to know words. I mean, I think sometimes we <laughs> appropriate a phrase or simplify something to make it. I'm not going to say more dramatic, but make it more effective sounding like, oh, okay. It's easier to understand. Like when somebody says decolonize, I don't know, education, you get it. You're trying to say, can we decouple this? The yeah. concept is really simple to follow, but it's, it's kind of in the turn though, harming the actual intent of yeah. the word and then maybe not, right. That's what the article is saying, right? Am I? Yeah, am I- pretty, pretty much. And it's just, and it's, and the, what I with the big takeaway that I took from it was, you know, this is another way that white people, you know, use a phrase to make themselves feel better. better. Yeah. You right. know, so knock it the hell off. 
No, it's a good, that's a good, so there's someone packing in a 40 page article for you to read. Yeah, please read it. Please read it. I mean, I, it, I had to, I mean, I had to go back and like read it twice to make sure that I was getting sure everything. Get it. I'm sure and it's going to be a week for me to read it. Seven yeah, I mean, I had to read, I had to read through it twice and I'm probably going to read through it a third time. And like, I know that I'm not, do- I know I'm not doing it justice, right, but right, it was right. one of those things where I was just like, I feel it that this thought. needs. Hmm? Yeah. It provoked thought for you. Yeah. Oh, it, it, it totally provoked thought for me. And then like listening to the podcast where they were talking about it, yeah. I was just kind of like, oh, damn. Yeah. And so, yeah, I encourage you to read it. And I don't know, I, I think it furthered me to sit with things that I've been sitting with for a long time. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I know one of the things that we're doing today, last week, you sh- you shared a lot about your your story with like s- sitting with everything and, and yeah. working through everything. So yeah. <laughs> now it's my turn. It's, turn. it's my turn. <laughs> so I want to caveat this. There <laughs> going to be so many caveats today. I want to ca- caveat this with, <sighs> I understand that me sharing my story is is me centering myself. Please understand that that's not my intention because the, the only story I can share is my own. And in order for me to talk about this, I have to share my thought process. And what my hope is, is that in sharing my process, it might help someone else. Like I said today, like we're, we're talking to white people (laughs) today. (laughs) So the first thing I'm going to talk about is my my journey through uh, my dance and my dance, like when I became a soloist was very focused on Romani dance. So I'm going to share that story quick. And I'll try not to be too detailed because it started back in what 2007 2006, something like that. Right. I was a tribal rev at the Purple Hotel, and Zafira Dance Company was offering workshops that weekend. And one of the workshops was taught by Christine Andrews. And that workshop was called Gypsy Skirt. And Christine had been studying in Rajasthan with a teacher by the name of Gulabi. And I took this workshop, and I was just very intrigued. And I began my journey of self-study. I mean, I, I was reading books and watching documentaries, and I was lucky enough to find two local teachers. Uh, the first was Elena Qureshi. The second was Victoria Mittling. I also took with Jana in Minneapolis. And I had also taken countless workshops <laughs> with... Artemis Barat, Dahlia Carella, and Sylvia Salamanca. So, I mean, I really tried to immerse myself in learning as much as I could from as many people as I could. And I very much tried to uh, learn the history. And when I was studying with Elena, you know, I was honest with her about what I wanted to do. I was like, you know, I'm a fusion dancer. I want to fuse this stuff, but I feel like if I'm going to fuse it, I need to know the traditional first. And she was like, no, I think that's really cool. And, you know, that's how other cultures get to know about other cultures is that we do fusion. So, you know, I had I had her support and she did a very good job of, you know, teaching me history and the meanings of dances and, and so on and so forth. And I think it was in 2010, 2011, I took a lecture class with Donna Mejia And it was basically uh, ethics and dance. And I really loved this class. And she still teaches it. So if you get a chance to take this class with Donna Mejia, please do. But um, I had always had some apprehensions about it. Like even though like I had the support of my teacher and I was learning as much as I could and so on and so forth, I was still kind of like, should I be doing this? And I remember taking this class with Donna And I was like, this is amazing, because it gave a pathway forward. And 
Donna's and, you know, essentially Donna's message was like, state your positionality, you know, state who you are and where you are. Be honest about what you're doing. If it's a fantasy piece, state that it's a fantasy piece. You know, if you're doing traditional, you know, learn learn those traditional dances and honor the people that they come from. So there was a pathway forward with this. And I did that. Like if I taught a ROM class, the first thing I would state is I am not ROM. I'm a white lady. And I, you know, and my teacher is Elena Qureshi, and these are the dances that she taught me. And, you know, everybody sit down for 20 minutes. We're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. So you understand where this comes from and what we're doing. And then I'm going to show you the traditional way of doing it. And then I'm going to show you the fusion way of doing it and so on. But the question I've had to sit with is, did I give back to the Romani community? And sadly, the answer is no. So, I no longer do Romani dance. I think the last time I performed Romani dance was in the beginning of 2017. There's a lot of reasons for that. In 2014, my dance started to change. And I started to walk into what I would say is what is really more genuine for me. Not that what I was doing before wasn't, but it just really started to evolve within myself. And like, if I were to go back to it, I would definitely do things differently. And definitely one of the things I would do differently is giving back. Because if you're not giving back, it's not cultural exchange, it's cultural extraction. And that leads me to my next quick story. When I when I hit my 40s, <laughs> as most of us do, we go through that midlife transition, which is so much fun, isn't it? And uh, I became a Reiki practitioner. And one of the things that I did when I reached level two was I became a volunteer at the organization where I got where I received my attunements. And they're an organization that provides all services on a sliding scale so that everybody in the greater Milwaukee area has access to their services and their services are massage, acupuncture, Reiki, they have fitness classes, they even have like health services. I mean, they're just there to serve Milwaukee. So for like two years, I I volunteered there because it was like, okay, I've I've done this thing. I've, you know, I've I've become I've become a Reiki practitioner. And I'm not Japanese. So but doing the volunteer work was my way of giving back to the community. And also in that time, because it is focused on like, you know, Japanese spirituality, um, check out Shinto religion if, if you want to know about that. But uh, I had to start looking into my, my own spirituality and it helped me to do that where I could, you know, I could do this practice, but I could make it more in alignment with who I am as a person as a I'm not a part I'm not I'm not Japanese, I'm not a part of that culture. And then I even furthered it with uh, my astro friend. She's she's an energy healer as well. And we both, you know, we were having this conversation about like, again, you got to find the people to have, you know, your comfortable conversations with. And, you know, she was just like, I'm really wrestling with this. I was like, yeah, I'm wrestling with this. And she was like, have you heard of Celtic Reconstructionism? And I was like, no, but I'm mostly Celt. Tell me more. And in Reiki practice, there is a there is a very like complex energy center system that is used in in the the um, uh, that is used in uh, Reiki Japanese Reiki, and um, but usually what happens 
is that when we learn Reiki here in the West, it gets it gets the chakra system, which is Hindu, because it's less complex than the Japanese system. So I went looking, and I mean, I'm mostly Scotch, Irish, and Gaulish, aka French. So mostly Celt. So I, you know, she was telling me about Celtic Reconstructionism, got some books, and guess what? In Celtic Reconstructionism, I mean, and in, in, in specifically Irish, they have an energy system. It's called the Cauldron of Posey. So, you know, I'm not using the chakra system anymore. I'm using the Cauldron of Posey because I most... You know, because that's my that's my lineage. That's my culture that I can that I can use in this practice. And there is um, I and I started really thinking about this when I heard uh, Marika Clymer on another podcast. I listen to a lot of podcast people. And uh, she was talking about, you know, and the, the name of it was Decolonize Reiki. <laughs> But that's the name of it. And I started following her, stalking her (laughs) on Instagram. She has a lot of really great videos on like, well, I mean, she's of Japanese descent. So she really focuses on like the Reiki aspect. But she just recently did a video of like, okay, so all of you who are saying like, well, nobody can practice anything anymore. Like she addressed those things. And it's just kind of like, wow, you did a lot of labor for some people. But it was it was such a really good video. And, you know, getting introduced, like she believes like Reiki is for everyone. But if you are not of, you know, if you are if you are not Japanese, like if you're Norwegian, Guess what? You can look into your own culture. Well, that's and, about being creative, right? That's yeah. kind of we go back to the definition is like don't yeah. be so boring and just steal it, just be creative. Yeah. So that's what that really is, right? Yeah, it's the being it's being creative aspect. And then I think it's also too with with sitting back and figuring out how you can give back like when I see people who have the attitude of like oh, we can't do anything anymore I might as well just take my ball and go home it's like no don't don't nobody's tell one nobody's telling you to do that <laughs> two yeah get creative I also think that's a binary way of thinking about it right it's either do it all or don't do anything there's never a spectrum of do do you know yeah. what I'm saying with that like yeah you don't have to, you can be constantly assessing where you are in something and thinking through, is that the wrong direction, right? Make the mistake. Yeah. Don't be caught up in being perfect and just own it, you know, pivot, do what you need to do. Say, this isn't the right way. I need to pivot again. I'm going to mm-hmm. try to be creative here. That didn't work. We have to be comfortable with iterating through change. So. Well, and to understand that practices change. I mean, like, you know, in sharing in sharing my Romani story, like at the time, yeah. I thought I was I thought I was appreciating. It also goes to the fact that once we <laughs> I listening to the old podcast now, I can remember things we've said, but we talked about or it was stated you can't unknow something you know. Yep. So the more you start to discover and unpack, the more you know. Mm-hmm. You can't go back to pretending you didn't know. So exactly. you're going to have to figure it out and go somewhere. Exactly. And, and if that's not doing it, that's okay. Just, I think it's not saying stop doing your dance, just uh, assess what you're doing and how you're, you know, yeah. dealing with it. And I understand too, where people may be like, whoa, I need to take a step back and figure this out for myself. Yeah. Yep. You know, you I, do. yeah, <laughs> you should. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, just like the I need to take a step back like that. I think that's okay for people to do. I know there's like this. Well, no, don't stop. Like, eh, maybe, maybe someone stopping for a little bit is. But isn't that also feeding into if we're talking about the dominant culture and the whole yeah. 
which is a tree of capitalism and all these things we've been talking about. That's saying be productive, be productive all the time. Don't stop. Just keep going. It's like, no, it's okay to stop. And it's Mm -hmm. okay to take care of yourself. And it's okay to assess what's going on and what's right for you and your community. Yeah. Like I say, screw it. Like take a break and think it through. It's okay. You don't have to keep getting it out there for whatever reason. Yeah. Now, if your attitude is I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. Yeah, that's different. That's not what I, yeah. I invite no. you Yeah. to check that shit. <laughs> yeah. Now, honestly, it's your, I mean, it is your choice, right? You could say that this is too much work for me. That, yeah. As old coworkers say, the juice isn't worth the squeeze. And I know that's a horrible thing, but if you're just like, you know what? I don't, I have too much and I have to let this go. To do it right, I have to let this go. That's okay, too, right? And I know it may come across as my ball. I, I'm taking my ball and going home, but okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I mean, if I think if it's in regards to self care, yeah. That to me, that's even different. And it's a nuance. Yeah. It's a yeah. nuance. It is. it is. I'm just saying you it's know. okay also to step back and be like, I'm going to back out. It's too much. I'm not in the right place for this. I and mean, that's okay, too. Yeah. Like, yeah, I've got to take care of my family and yeah, yeah or, like, or I can't do the justice. Like I don't yeah. have energy, even if you're a single person, like you yeah, might yeah. have a mental place to do it. You could have enough trauma in your life, whatever, that it's like, this is too much. It's yeah, just, that's, that's true too. That's true know, too. Just saying. Yeah. So giving back, being creative and giving back, I think is like the key aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Of that. Well, I mean, you can hear that in both of your sides of that. You both, you had both of those aspects coming out, which is nice. Yeah. Well, and I know you had a little, yeah. like you so, had, you've had your own journey with that. Yeah. So uh, I decided to go from one culturally appropriative dance to another culture, pre- culturally appropriative move yoga. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so I took YTT in 2019 because I have been playing with this idea since 2007. So finally, the big old lady decided to go take YTT. So I had fine time. I had a good time. It was a good class. I actually found the right teacher. She was a very interesting. There's a lot of weird movement going on in the yoga community because of the cultural appropriation. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of yoga people not calling themselves yoga and calling themselves like mindful movement, whatever. And, and now even I am starting, you know, I've got classes now starting up online. I'm doing the same. I'm doing similar things. Like when I'm doing, I I've struggled over the past year to say, what am I doing? Am I doing yoga or am I doing mindful movement? And I'm very, but I'm putting it out. If I make a mistake, I'll pivot. But my whole, <laughs> my whole story with yoga, that was funny. And I'm going to blame Baroness Von Sketch, which, which is a, four women comedy troupe here in Toronto that are amazing and they do not hold punches. And so I was sitting in YTT. I'm kind of like, how am I going to do this? I feel really uncomfortable. I'm a white person appropriating again. Like, how do I sit with this? Right. How do I do this? Right. I feel comfortable. And they had an episode. So land acknowledgement is something we do here in Canada quite often. Like the schools, if you go to a school event, you know, we acknowledge that we are on the Anishinaabe tribal land stolen, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I don't mean to, I'm not trying to discredit the land by not saying it properly. I'm just saying like, that's a very common practice up here. And they did an episode where one woman is sitting in the, there's a bunch of people sitting in an audience at a small theater. And this woman gets up and she's, you know, talking about the play that you're about to see. And then she does. And now we're going to do a land acknowledgement that this theater and this show is being produced on the land that is owned by these people. And she listened. And this lady stands up and goes, excuse me, should we leave? Like, if it's not our land, should we go? And the lady's, no, 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 that's not what I mean. Well, are we, you know, and they go through this whole process. Are we giving money to them? Are we giving any, like, you know, you're charging $3 for this bottle of water. Are we giving any money to the people's land that we're borrowing? You know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And man, it just smacks you in the face that, okay, land acknowledgement is a, intentionally is a beautiful thing, right? It makes you acknowledge. Yeah. Right. It goes back to cultural appropriation and all this stuff, right? Unacknowledged. So you're acknowledging it's happened. You've acknowledged the action. And somehow that's supposed to make it all better. 
that nothing else went on. So I was like, holy shit, I got to sit in this because I can't just do this. So when I started putting my yoga stuff together, a big principle beyond like sliding scale concept, which Mm -hmm. we talked a few episodes about. Green bottle. um, Yeah. Green bottle model. Um, The other thing I do is 20% of all monies that come in. And I'm not talking like if after I pay myself, that's not even the point is like, if I pay, if $10 is for the hour class, $2 is collected in a bank account. And then once a month I'm sending money to um, water first, which is a Mm -hmm. first nations charity that's getting clean water to indigenous communities around Canada. And it's like, okay, here's my way of trying to give back. Now I know it's not giving back to India, but it's giving back to the land that I'm on that I have, you know, taken or my ancestry has taken. So it's kind of playing with that concept of it. And so I'm, I'm very carefully trying to unpack my classes and how I approach Mm -hmm. my classes. Um, but at the same time, also trying to get back to where I can. Um, yeah. yeah, So, I mean, that's kind of how I've approached it. Um, I mean, it sounds really simple, but it's just, kind of, I'm doing the acknowledging, I'm not only acknowledging the land, but I also in classes will be acknowledging lineage. And it's like, I don't know my lineage, (laughs) really, I haven't done that tree, Mm -hmm. but um, there are, again, doing a lot of unpacking. There's a lot of classes in yoga right now. A lot of uh, Southwest Asians that are putting out classes around, hey, how can you, how can you do this? How do you approach, how, how can I help myself? And a few of them are coming out like acknowledge it, acknowledge the lineages from this area in India. This is, you know, thousands of years of blah, blah, blah. So Mm -hmm. kind of peeling back is how I'm going. So I'm trying to actually give, acknowledge, and then continually assess, right. And sit with myself and sit where I'm uncomfortable. The tricky part is (laughs) people don't know what you're getting into, right? Like they come to your, I just want to do yoga. It's like, what do you want out of yoga? And that's the hard part. I think when you're a yoga teacher, that's actually trying Mm-hmm. Just settle that line. It's like, I'm doing mindful movement. Well, I was looking for a yoga class. Okay. You know, so you try yeah. to be creative with it, but you've also got to help bring folks along with you, your, your market along with you. Mm-hmm. So it, it's an interesting challenge. And I, I watch the people that I uh, get inspired by or follow struggle with it on a continual basis. And I appreciate that they're honest with the struggle that they're dealing with and they talk about it openly and honestly. Um, so it's, it's interesting. And I think it's, yeah. So that's kind of what I've been going through and just processing it. So, yeah. Yeah. I've had a similar process this year. I mean, I, I don't have a, a shingle hung out or anything in regards to like tarot astrology and and energy healing. There's like a couple of people that I work with and, you know, they know me, I know them. Uh, But that is something that I've done is, you know, taking a portion of that and, you know, like giving, like giving to Raices, giving to BLM, giving to Fair Fight, like just, just that sort of like, yeah, giving this back. And there was a really good workshop that I did. Um, it's gosh, I think it's been like eight months ago now. But it was a it was a workshop that was about uh, the it was about the dance industry, or the entertainment industry. Now these people made like six figure incomes. But they they talked about how the the whole thing was constructed on like you know how you can give back yeah. and they had suggestions as to right. how you how you do this and like that was one of those things that you know really got me thinking of like oh yeah yeah well and, and you don't have to get stuck in it being perfect either like that's exactly. the thing about this like a lot of people are like oh I'd love to give money back but I've only got you know like my classes and I've got three people okay yeah. I'm okay with that I love small classes. It's not going to be a ton of money that I donate, but it's something. And I've actually already reached out to the guys and given them some money. And they're like, holy, this is awesome. Like they're, they're happy about it. So it's just, you don't have to feel like thousands of dollars every day. They're okay with like the $20 donation once a month is better than the eye. So, 
And I think it's, you know, it speaks to, and that that was one of the things that they talked about in this workshop. And if I can find it, I will definitely link it. Yeah. Uh, but they were like, you know, we understand that, like, if you're a sole proprietor and every dime you make, like, goes to your bills, like, we get that. Like, we understand you probably can't do 30%, but eh, one, you could start with 1%. Exactly. Exactly. You or you can find. Or, you know, there's also other things you can do too. There's pro bono work. There's different exactly. types of like volunteer exactly. work. You can, I mean, there's there's different yep. ways to give back. So again, going back to get creative. Yeah, exactly. You got to be creative with it. What's going to work? Yeah. So for me, like, I don't do yoga to make money, right? Like, I do yoga because I feel like I want representation out mm-hmm. there, and I want to help other people. Yeah. Who deserve to move? Move. Like that's truly my intent behind it. So. Mm-hmm. honestly, the money that the money that I make off of it, you know, really just goes back to the training that I'm taking. And then I donate the rest. Like, so you got to sit with maybe green bottle your own life too. Right. It's like, do you yeah. have a curricular that, you know, cause I was doing that with my dance classes too. Like what before COVID <laughs> when I was actually teaching in a studio, you know, I was also tossing money that way to, to mm-hmm. a charity. Cause again, I still needed to feel comfortable with where I was. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just kind of figure out where you sit. I mean, you're right. You could be like trying to get every dime counts for something and then try to figure out what that could be. Cause it could be just time, you know, yeah. that you donate to your money is your time. Sadly is worth money because we live in a capitalist society. So. <laughs> yeah. It's, I think it's interesting how we keep coming back to capitalism and it makes me think, too, of like what uh, Marika Clymer said about Reiki and how when it was brought over to the United States, it was watered down. Yeah. So white people would buy it. Right. Well, white people would understand it like it was easier to digest. Well, and that's the thing with Kaplan. So that's like the Reiki side of it. And in yoga, when you start diving into it, why are yoga classes so inaccessible because it has to be like a aerobics class. Like it has to be, everybody does the exact same thing. So like the real intent of yoga is to have your own personal practice and discovery, right? Or mm-hmm. you're working through a, maybe they're all working through the same flow, but what's best for you is might be different than what's right for the other person. But because we try to do it as a class and have everybody in there and everybody gets paid and we don't want to have any, you know, private one-on-one time with everybody because it's not your personal practice. It's a group practice. Yeah. Right. That yoga got watered down into this. This is what you expect, right? Is these ridiculously crazy poses, you know, balancing on your eyeball. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. And, um, and it's not like that at all. That's not what yoga, that's why I was saying earlier, like my struggle with yoga is what really yoga is, is not what you see. Mm-hmm. So like, how do you sell that to people? Like, you know, well, and, I mean, try to bring you along. We can but. say the same thing about belly dance. Oh yeah. Totally. You know, Yep. We can, we can say, I mean, and, (laughs) and, you know, that's the, that's the crux behind all of this is that belly dance is a microcosm of the microcosm of the macrocosm, you know? Yeah. We're talking about these specific, you know, we've been talking about these specific areas, you know, whether it be wellness, yoga, or belly dance, but it really, it just applies to the larger whole of society and the globe. Well, that's where I think you have to, when you have an activity of any kind or you do work or whatever, you have to figure out its intent, like just beating the yoga horse here, we will, right? Some people are doing yoga for wellness, restoration, Mm -hmm. mindfulness, right? All that stuff. Some people are doing yoga purely for the, like, I got to do 20 handstands and look super strong and skinny. And so you got to figure out where you fit in that and find the person that's in there and so anyways, it's just sitting back with it because I, I, I get it, right? Like I'm always mindful, like when somebody comes to class, like, well, I want to be able to do this. I'm like, well, we can get you there. And yeah. I think that's part of our problem with society too, is we want everything today. That's not how it all works. Yeah. And that's about being productive. That also could be falling into this culture too, right? Is that, you know, with enough money and enough time, I can do this, you know, and I'll do it in a week. You know, eight weeks later, I'm going to start teaching belly dance because I've taken a beginner class like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's it's all fueled by this 
individual productive kind of capitalistic weird weirdness. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And again, I feel like, you know, we don't, we leave this as like, we don't have any answers for oh, no. anyone. We are just, you know, like we are modeling the conversation of like, these are the discoveries we made. We are doing them out loud for you. <laughs> and I think we have to be comfortable with the fact there is no checkbox, checklist. If I check any check, 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 I get my good white person badge, right? Like no. that's what we're- that's what we're all kind of looking for when we do this stuff. It's like, well, that's good. I can check that. I've read this book. I've read this book. I took this class. I listened to these podcasts. Class. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, no, it's continually peeling it back. And it's hard because, and do it at your own. And I think we've said that too. Do this at your own pace. Like You don't yeah. have to be caught up to the guy who, or gal who's been doing it for 15 years. You know, like I need to be just like them. No, no. Like go at your pace. You got to take care of yourself. Because yeah. if you're going to do this, we need to, we need people to do this for the long haul, not burn out after three months. Yeah. But, you know. That's a marathon, not a sprint. Yes. Yes. So take care of yourself. Find like-minded people. You know, talk the talk. I think the last point I want to make today is around the word authority. So, sorry, I'm going to have to circle back to my Romani No, I think that's a good point because you called it out and we never really talked about that. So I think it's great. So I I mentioned that I had uh, taught Romani folk dance and uh, how I fused it. And one of the things that I've been sitting with is that a teacher is a authority figure, And I'm a white woman in a position of authority talking about a culture and community that I have no ties to. And I was I was not questioned because I'm a, a white lady teaching this stuff. And let's face it, the majority of the majority of people I taught to were other white women. So. I mean, when I sit back and look at this, I'm just kind of like, well, that's just white supremacy in action. Because we can move through the world for the most part and not be questioned. Exactly. You can take ownership of something and nobody really questions. As you said, nobody questions it. Nobody even bats an eye and asks you maybe where it all came from. They just trust that you did the work. Yeah. And... I think, too, I mean, we've talked a lot about, like, harm and do no harm. But we, we as white people don't get to say, like, if we did harm or not. That's not our decision to make. No, you have to kind of open your, you have to huh, sit and wait for the feedback to come in that you've done harm. And it, and it may not be, you might get a yay from one person. And a nay from another, and that's okay. And you have to sit with that too. You're, you know, we can't treat individuals as groupings. They're individuals with different experience and trauma, right? So if you get feedback, yeah. But you do. You have to listen and be open to it. Yeah, for sure. And as and as you've been saying, pivot. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Be be willing to pivot. Yeah. And I think when you get that kind of feedback too, you have to sit and listen mm-hmm. and you can be inquisitive about it, but I think you've, you've got to just kind of try to understand where it's coming from. That's going to help with the pivot. Like you can't just be like, oh, I screwed up and just freeze and stop. It's probably more processing and understanding where it caused the harm and why it did for this particular person or people mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. pivot around that. So and I think that just goes to like, you know, the work is not done. No, it's never done. No. <laughs> and it's, it's funny is I know we keep saying, <laughs> here's a point. I know we keep saying this is hard, but it's also important. And sometimes important things are hard. And I don't mean it to be scary hard. I mean, it's just, it's going to make you feel a lot more connected with everyone around you, which I think is important. we got to yeah. just do. Well, it's about tearing down this hierarchy right 
And because I was, I do a lot of thinking while I drive. (laughs) And, um, you know, I was thinking about this, like, all of these six episodes, you know, we're talking about, you know, belly dance, yoga, wellness, it's the microcosm of the macrocosm, right? And really, what we're looking to do is, is tear down the hierarchies, right? That are really, I mean, all of the, it's an illusion anyway, and I'm not trying to sound like all like esoteric or whatever. It's just that at the end of the day, these structures of oppression, if you will, patriarchy, white supremacy, capitalism, it serves a very small amount of people. Yep. Yep. You know? Yeah. So it's interesting when you peel the back, when you... (laughs) even as a white female, right? We don't benefit from it either, right? And that's the thing we think we are. We've got to, and we've, I don't know, we've got to let go of some things for things to become more even, but there's also things that we're repressed about around it too. So I, it's, it's tough. Oh, totally. You know, do you like being master's favorite dog? Yeah. No, no, I I don't. Right. Exactly. (laughs) I don't. Exactly. And I know that I know that there, when the more we include people, yeah, like the whole like, there's room for everyone at the lunch table. Exactly, exactly. I know that that's, I know that that's better. Yeah, right. Yep. And we have to be ready to give up power. Right. All the things I'm listening to, right, is mm-hmm. that part of the step is unpacking it, and then letting go and letting the power be where it needs to be. It may not be with you. It may not be, and that's okay. So, yeah, as I think you once said, get to the back of the bo- get to the back of the line, right? It's okay. Yeah, step forward, speak. Go to the back of the back. room, sit down. Yeah, have a drink. Yeah, <laughs> there's a phrase that comes up often. I hear is step forward and then step back, right? Like step yes. forward and say, um, "Hey, there's a problem," and then step back and support. So, yeah, exactly. Oh. And I, and again, I don't mean to sound too esoteric or anything like that, but you know, power is a bit of an illusion anyway. Yeah. Well. So. Technically, I think race race was a created thing too, right? I mean, that's the funny thing is it it's a yep, construct yep. we use, and it's really just been created by. Yeah, you could say the same thing about gender. Exactly. I know. I mean, interesting. It's so there and there we just listed off like another <laughs> yeah. bunch of rabbit holes we could exactly. fall down. Mm-hmm. But I think I think we've come to a good place with this. How are you feeling? Good. Good. And hopefully it's been a uh, the six episodes you can kind of see we started off a little easy and we're trying to layer this all on top of itself cuz it all comes to a tippy tippy top here. Mhm. So If you have been listening through all six episodes and this has impacted you in any way, good or bad, (laughs) good or bad, we we want to hear about it. Uh, We would like your we would like your constructive feedback. Right. Because we want to continue the conversations. We want to keep growing. I think that's why we're looking forward to hearing hearing more for sure. Yeah. I mean, I feel like the it's kind of like the more I know the real the more I realize how much I don't know right like and yeah it just keeps going further and further so 2020 has taught anybody anything it's you don't know shit (laughs) there's still more to know be in the present and deal with what you can right it's like it's a very it's been a very good life lesson for a lot of people so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. here we are yeah, and being on this journey with you that <laughs> started way back in what was it? 2008 probably, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> has been has been very has been very good and inspiring for me. So oh, I cool. really want to take a moment to thank you uh, no for problem. starting that journey with me, going on this journey with me. I I always <laughs> learn I always learn so much from you, and I always think that like one day I'll be able to return the favor. So I, <laughs> oh, you I do. appreciate you. Yep, I appreciate you, Kelly. All right, everyone. Hopefully, we'll see you in a season two. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. It's up to we'll the feedback. See. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, until next time, everyone. Take care.
Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and subscribe. For more information, please go to our website at the number two broads and a bottle of wine.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at the number two broads and a bottle of wine, all one word, or you can contact us at our email. We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at the number two broads and bottle of wine at gmail.com. Until next time, take care.